Hello and welcome to DA Footy Writer, episode two. So I said when I recorded the first one of these that uh, I would, yeah, I would try and do a few of them as they went along, um, if I had some good feedback or if people were interested. And uh, yeah, so I didn't get around to any, far too busy to do them. But I'd have liked to, and uh, yeah, so... That's what this will be. This will be just like a little catch up, end of season sort of recap, and just to keep uh, just to keep in the game to wet the whistle. Uh, so I missed the besotted end of season do, which sounded really fun. They uh, they all got together, did their usual stuff. Um, that would have been really fun to get to and uh, and uh, sort of recap the season, go over the go over what happened. Um, but yeah, sounded really good, really good. And good fun. Shame to have missed it. But yeah, so I just wanted to use this to say, yeah, like a thank you to anybody that sort of commented or complimented, shared any of my stuff or, or even just read it, really. Uh, it means a lot and uh, it's something I really enjoy doing, uh, writing, sort of talking about football, writing about it, especially Brentford. But yeah, as I've said before, like the wider EFL as well. Um, it's really fun and uh, as, yeah, as feedback is continuously positive I'll carry on it's only when it gets too negative I might stop but for now it seems good and uh, hopefully I continue in the future and carry on doing yeah something that I like doing so yeah quickly so let's begin looking at the end of the year so yeah last couple of weeks not much has happened it's been fairly quiet Um, well (laughs) anything but really so we've seen Aston Villa take the final playoff spot, well, take the playoff spot, take the third final spot going up into the Premier League. I think it was to be expected. I think between Leeds and Villa, people would have probably fancied picking one of those two. And if you're looking at consistency towards the end of the season, it would have been hard to... It, it felt like a tough call, but really when you thought about it, I think it's hard to look at look beyond Villa. They finished the season much better. They looked they looked stronger. Uh, Leeds came to Griffin Park, and while they while they dominated the ball, they didn't look they didn't look like a side that believed they were going up or were ready to go up. But saying that though, they were one goal or they were a goal to the good against Derby from the first leg. Took that into the second leg, got another goal. So they were two goals up. So from that position, you think they should be able to see this through. But things transpired against them and. Uh, Derby made a few switches, and, and that was that was the end of uh, that was the end of Leeds. But on, on the flip side, so let's talk about uh, talk about Villa quickly. Um, it was a great end to the season. Uh, quite hard to describe them in the playoffs. They were quite stale. I, I thought nothing too exciting. It was an attritional game against West Brom. Um, threw on penalties that could have that could have gone either way, really. So incredibly lucky there. That's a coin flip. Go through. Um, in the final, they were they were the better team. I think Derby shaded possession and probably shaded the XG, depending on where you look as well. But Villa got the luck again. There was a, there was a keeper howler. Um, and yeah, before you know it, they're 2-0 up. Derby took too long to get going, though. It was probably poor team selection from Lampard. He took too long to change it. And when he did, they looked really good and... He'll probably rue that, but I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine. They're going to bigger and better things. 
or have another crack at Derby. So Villa going up, what has that brought with it? Well, it's brought plenty of speculation for one. It seems like every single player that Dean Smith has ever worked with at Brentford is pretty much signed and sealed, delivered for Aston Villa, which is quite funny when you think about it because, yeah, it's just highly unlikely that that many players would would sort of troop off. He worked with a lot at Brentford, and Brentford do have a lot of good players, but they can't all join Villa. Um, they'll have their own network of scouts, they'll have their own guys who want to do it their way, and as much as Dean Smith would love to cherry-pick and uh, pick Brentford's best players, it doesn't quite work like that. It's a little bit harder. Uh, from my own, well, sources, information, the line that I've kind of heard is, for Morpai especially, he's um, he's a talent and he's he's going to cost a pretty penny if he is going to be prized away. So the value on Morpai will be of such that it's, it's yeah the price that we put on his head is designed to scare teams off because financial problems aren't uh, aren't aren't around anymore. Clubs looking really really healthy because of player sales in the last few years. So going into this season before the big push into the new stadium, it's pretty obvious that everybody wants to keep the assets. You want to keep your best players, and Morpai, Ben Rama, they are the best players. So the price on Morpai's head is designed to scare off suitors. If if these if these rival clubs, or if these clubs look at it, so you've got your Sheffield Uniteds, uh, Aston Villas, sort of the lower Premier League teams, if they're willing to spend sort of 25, 30, 35, just ridiculous money on Morpai, then you have to accept it and just let him go. If, if that's what it's gonna, if if those city bids come in, it is best to cash in and move on, because uh, as I might get onto in a bit, Morpai is very good, but he isn't irreplaceable and uh, he can be improved upon. So if the stupid money does come in and the the amounts that are designed to scare off suitors, if they're willing to pay that, then more for them and thank you very much I think we've got to a stage now where there's no point in being angry about every player leaving or or thinking about the succession plan it, the guys at Brentford know they know the, the game inside out they are experts so this is just what they do it's what they live for modelling players looking at who can come in and step in and perform basically better than the players that have been there before as quickly as possible. So it may take six months, or it may take a year for that transition to happen. But the long run is players just get improved upon. So it may sound it may sound a bit negative, it may sound a bit uh, acceptant. But first of all, the bids have to be met, uh, the prices have to be met, and secondly, these players have to want to go. So a lot can happen. So I, I'm not kind of I'm not kind of signing players off to Villa and Dean Smith just yet. Uh, yeah, just to quickly add on Villa, I guess, whilst we're here, just um, just to go and look back. So I'm not convinced that, that sort of... Oh, I'm not convinced that Morpai is uh, Villa's biggest priority. I think there's a lot of work to do there in terms of squad building. Um, so the playoff final was contested by Derby and Villa, two sides that heavily relied on loans. And by heavily, that yeah, that's kind of an understatement. So 
all of Derby's good work this year has been really behind Mason Mount and Harry Wilson. Without those two, they would never have got to the playoffs. And that, that is a fact. The defenders as well. Demori on loan from Chelsea. It's propped up their season. They've been very good and they, they've carried them through this season. Wilson with his sort of long-range efforts and Matt with his creativity. That, that you just take those team, you take those players out of the team and they are, they are really struggling. They're, they're nothing more than a mid-table side at best. In terms of Villa as well, pretty rudderless really. Not really going anywhere, not really looking too consistent. And then Mings comes in in January on loan from uh, Bournemouth really does transfer uh, transform the team defensively he's uh he he's a solid a solid addition he's probably too good for the championship but yeah definitely a lower end premier league player could in a really good side probably mid table but again he is another loan so you're looking at villa as well tammy abraham is another one on loan these pivotal loans that sort of got these guys where they need to be so they'll need to replace these. So you can't, yeah, you can't look at your defence. You have to look at your defence first. You can't go into the Premier League thinking that you're not going to concede goals because you, you will do, especially against the fours up there. So you have to be looking at either securing these loans, loan deals and making them permanent or replacing those loans with signings that you're going to make yourself. I think Villa have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of squad construction to go on there, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see Morpai as the cherry. On, I'd see him more as the cherry on top. I wouldn't see him as the as the start. I think you need to construct a team because it's a very specific team that needs to get the best out of him. It's not, it's not a wide winger team that sort of throws crosses in. It's it's very sort of like an intricate team, a front three that will be very very tight. They'll pass. They'll play their way through opposition. They won't put crosses in in the traditional sense. And I, I think I think Villa's first port of call would be to try and secure Tammy Abraham. Convince Chelsea to either purchase, sell, or loan for another season. That's the that's the vibe I'm getting. But we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, they're not going to buy all the Brentford players. It's just not going to happen. Maybe one. Maybe two, maybe the ones we're not expecting. It could be a Rico Henry that goes, but not all of them. They can't all go there. Uh, yeah, so I started off by saying thank you very much for sort of, yeah, comments, compliments, shares, reads. All different positive parts on uh, on the writing, on the podcast, on the Besotted podcast, a uh, bit of radio stuff. It's all really, really good. And uh, yeah, just to recap on a couple of bits that we've done recently that have been really, really impressive. And yeah, had some really good feedback. Um, there was a piece on Romain Sawyers, which uh, yeah, I was really, really quite proud of. I think a lot of people enjoyed it, who did read it, found it fascinating. Um, the main idea of the piece was kind of to probably give recognition to a player that, well, to simply put it, it's just improved massively and kind of what I was trying to get at the piece was you, you look at sort of Dean Smith and Sawyers as a relationship and you think, yeah, Smith knows Sawyers inside out, so he's the one that knows probably yeah, what he can do best, where he could perform best. And you, you think that what you're seeing in terms of performance under Smith is as good as it gets. Why would it not be? This is a player that's this is a coach that's worked with the player for a long time. 
um, you can always probably get more, but you'd expect, yeah, you'd expect the performance you were seeing from those two together was as good as it would get. And I think that's been eclipsed. So Frank's come in and he's looked at Soares and it's probably maybe accidental or it could have been pre-planned, pre-ordained. Who, only he'll know whether they'll admit that in if they're questioned on it. But Soares been moved deeper into a more central midfield position. Has his game's come on leaps and bounds. It's it's moved on to another level. So those are just a really interesting heat map of his actions, like his average actions and where they're taking place. And I think if you looked at sort of 17, 18, very much sort of on the edge of the box, at the opposition's box, looking, sort of rotating the ball on those edges of the box, trying to flick balls through, much more on the end of stuff. And uh, the, the deeper work was sort of conducted by Woods or Yoneris or other Brentford midfielders. And they'd try and feed it forward to Sawyers and, He'd be he'd do lots more of his damage in the final third. He would drop deep and pick up the ball sometimes, but it would be much rarer. It would be Woods that would control that. But but since Woods had gone, moved on, and a failed experiment of Josh McEachran sitting at the base, once once it went to the two midfielders of Sawyer's and Makocho, uh, Sawyer showed not only just an athleticism to cover the ground, but it's it's just baffling the sort of the ground he was covering, but the actions he was completing. So. We all know he's a quality passer, but if you kind of if you ask him to just do this in the final third, what are you doing there? Are you are you limiting what he can do? Are you because his skills are progressing the ball to get it forward to transition the ball either with his feet or or sort of through his passing. So if he can perform deeper, then. Uh, yeah, you're you're looking at a really strong central midfielder instead of just an attacking midfielder. You're looking at a midfielder that can that can control games on his own, and he's been formidable. Had a really good year, and I think that's just what I was trying to do with the piece, just give him some recognition and uh, and show that he's evolving and uh, becoming well, not just uh, not just a better player, but an awesome leader. And yeah, kind of moving away from what we sort of thought about leadership in in the traditional sense of sort of shouting and and bellowing at people. It was more to show that modern leaders are the ones that are controlling games through these passes. They're the ones that are pivotal to everything. You look at sort of Norwood at Sheffield United, Grimes at, uh, Grimes at Swansea. These players that accept the ball in all situations, whether it's 1-0, whether you're 3-0 up, whether you're 3-0 down, they're the ones that are the real leaders. Driving their teams on, making sure that the ball finds its way into the final third. It, it doesn't just get there by accident. These are players that are picking up positions and sort of moving it forward. So they, yeah, they, they all need credit. And I think Sawyers has really, yeah, I kind of said, I've redefined what leadership means. It's really impressive to see. So yeah, uh, that was uh, that was quite fun to do. Um, something else that was fun was uh, a piece that I did, well, a joint piece actually. Yeah, so not done this before. This was something uh, something new, and uh, it came about with myself and uh, the brilliant Greville Waterman chatting and saying. Basically, we said that. Does anyone want to read a review of this season? I mean be quite boring it's uh it's a season where Brentford finished uh 11th kind of we 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 know what happened really it's been it's been done to death started well transition a really tragic death 
a struggle to sort of get over that. Picked up form, were brilliant, tailed off a little bit and sort of ran out of games and uh, yeah, sort of missed the playoffs. It, it can be summarised quite quickly that there was a huge disparity between home and away form, which needed a bit of uh, it needed a bit of research and it needed a dissection and it probably got it. I did something on that myself, looking at sort of formations and tactics and players and personnel and whether whether the right personnel are there to sort of go away to Sheffield Wednesday or or Sheffield United and and win these games. But Greville and I just thought, why don't we instead of writing one long boring essay each on the season, which would just repeat the pivotal moments of the year, why don't we sort of set ten essay questions instead and. And yeah, just sort of questions that we we thought needed answer, sort of needed answering. Uh, pivotal points from the year. So yeah, variety of different questions. If you've read it, great. Thanks for reading. If you shared it, even better. If you haven't shared it, please share. Pass it on. Let, uh, make sure others read as well. But yeah, it's a variety of different bits. Um, just looking at the formation. Has it been nailed, or is there still work to do? Rating the season out of ten. Um, yeah, sort of looking at the goalkeepers, the state of that situation, uh, looking at loans and loan policies. Um, there were some, there were some big questions in there. Sort of who to buy, which sort of players are we missing, which is quite interesting. Um, yeah, differences between Frank and Smith, and yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been well received. There's been some good feedback. Um, yeah, again, if you have read it, great stuff. If you haven't, please share and forward on to other people be great for yeah lots of people to read it uh, we enjoyed doing it greville's uh greville's input's great he's got a great sort of memory and a great uh yeah a great vivid memory for sort of pivotal moments and uh i think our styles contrast quite well i'm i'm i sort of look more at trends and sort of patterns in what's happening whereas he he kind of looks at what's happened and why they've happened and they sort of stick in his mind and it's uh yeah it's a nice balance um both of us came to some similar conclusions as well, which is quite interesting. I was trying to look at it from a bit more statistical side. Uh, he's probably a little bit more from the emotional side. And, yeah, it, it kind of worked really well. So, yeah, thanks for reading if you have. We both enjoyed writing it. But I think that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I don't want to bore on too much. But, again, yeah, just going to finish off by saying great season um i've really enjoyed it uh, yeah thanks for the Basotti guys for being so supportive of lots of my stuff thanks very much to ali and george as well uh, not in the top 20 pod if you don't listen to that i'm not sure why you really should it's yeah the best efl content around listening content anyway um yeah they've been really supportive of lots of my bits as well ali's a yeah good friend of mine and Great seeing him doing so well, but yeah, they're always sharing my bits and uh, sort of commenting and yeah, it just adds to the EFL debate, which uh, which we all love. That's why we're here, that's why we do it. We love footy, we love Brentford and we, we just enjoy talking about it. But yeah, thanks a lot, especially to Dave Lane and Billy Grant. They are yeah, awesome guys, do such a good job with Besotted and uh, taken me under their wing a little bit and uh, yeah, sort of developed me <laughs> probably a bit unnatural to this. But yeah, I just really enjoyed this season. It's been really fun. Um, hopefully carry it on next year. But yeah, again, thanks for listening. And hopefully we can do more of these as time permits. Great season. Over and out. <laughs>